You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. counsel is a wise thing to do. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is dwelling within us and he will lead you and guide you to the correct decision. He uses many different ways, but mainly he confirms most things through his word. He confirms it through his word. If we would only take the time to look, we would only take the time to look to the Holy Spirit. Everybody has access to the Holy Spirit. Where are you taking your counsel from? Friends, co-workers, pastors? These are all potentially good people to get advice from. But no one can surpass the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. Today, Pastor Dave will give you a clear understanding of why the Holy Spirit is the best counselor. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 10. As he begins his message, A Foolish Decision Leads to Division. Solomon started his reign with a bang. He did everything right. When he asked the Lord for wisdom, the Lord gave it to him. Wisdom to rule the nation. And this pleased the Lord because the Lord asked him, what can I give you? Solomon could have asked for anything he wanted. He asked for wisdom. This pleased the Lord. Not only did the Lord give Solomon great wisdom, but he gave him great wealth too. Great prosperity, great peace. He overwhelmed Solomon with his love. Solomon became the greatest king ever in the history of Israel and maybe in the history of the world. He was more wise than anyone, any king before him and any king after him. He had more wealth than any king before him and any king after him in eastern Israel. And although the chronicle never mentions it, Solomon eventually drifted away from the Lord. He stopped following God. He stopped following God's commandments. And his reign ended in foolishness. His reign ended in folly. Solomon disobeyed God, collecting horses, collecting chariots, collecting gold, collecting silver, and collecting wives. His multiple wives that he collected turned his heart against the Lord and led him into idolatry. And as Solomon was led into idolatry, the nation started to follow him into idolatry. And it's interesting to me that a leader can lead a nation in the wrong way. A leader can lead the nation into despair, and that's what we see Solomon doing. He's leading a nation to a point where they can't recover. And what happens is it becomes a snowball effect. And although there may be a good king here and there, they can't get out of this idolatry habit, this idolatry system that is snowballing and eventually destroys that nation of Judah. It destroys the northern nation that we studied in Kings also. When Solomon did this, the Lord was angry with him, Scripture says. And he passes judgment on Solomon to the point where 
the Lord rose up adversities, adversaries, excuse me, adversaries towards Solomon. He rose up men to come against Solomon, and he caused the king and all of Israel great trouble. And one such adversary was a man named Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who was a mighty man of valor. He rebelled against Solomon. And we saw that in 1 Kings 11, that he rebelled against Solomon. And Solomon found out about his rebellion and, and, and wanted to kill him. And he ran away to Egypt. But on the way to Egypt, Jeroboam meets a prophet, Ahijah. And he meets him on the road. And Ahijah prophesies to Jeroboam that he, Jeroboam, would take 10 of Israel's tribes and form a nation with them. He informed Jeroboam that God was going to split the nation Israel because of Solomon's sin, because of what was happening. He was going to leave two tribes solely for the sake of David, his son. Solely for the sake of David. Lord would make Jeroboam king over the northern kingdom of Israel. It would be called Israel. Solomon tried to thwart the plan by trying to kill him, but he went down to Egypt. So Solomon dies, and he's with his fathers now. And his son Rehoboam now becomes king. And Rehoboam is an arrogant king. He is far removed from his father Solomon and way far removed from his grandfather David. David loved the people, loved God, and risked his life for them. Solomon didn't serve the people as well, but he used the people to satisfy his own desire and didn't have a very good relationship with God. Rehoboam now, who simply ignored all the lessons from the past, he ignored everything that his father did. He ignored the commandments of God that David loved so greatly. He turned a deaf ear to the people's voices, even though they were suffering under higher taxes. Why were they suffering under higher taxes? You know, remember when we talked about Solomon's want for, for wealth? Well, that has a cost to it. That has a cost to it. You know, as I'm saying this, my mind's thinking about some things that are happening today. You think all these giveaways are free? You think all these things that are being given away to the nation are free? Somebody's going to have to pay a bill. Somebody's going to have to pay a hefty bill to pay for all these things that are being given away. This is what's happening in Israel. This is what's happening right now. They say they're suffering because of all the taxes that Solomon had placed on him. So in verse 1, we read in verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, and Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. Solomon must have made it quite clear as who would succeed him. But the people still had to affirm his choice. They had to enter into a covenant not only with the king, but they had to collectively enter in a covenant with God. So they went to Shechem. And I thought, why Shechem? Why would they go to Shechem? Well, it's centrally located, and there's a thought here that the ten tribes who were migrating to the north wouldn't come to Jerusalem, which was the capital. So Rehoboam compromises, and he goes to Shechem to basically be coronated. But it's interesting because it has a long history. Abraham and Jacob built altars there and purchased land there in Genesis 
Joseph was buried there, according to what Joshua reads or writes. But sadly, this shows that Rehoboam was in a position of weakness. He had to compromise with the northern tribes instead of demanding that they come to him, the capital. I mean, after all, he was king. So Jeroboam hears of the coronation, and he comes back from Egypt. Look at verse 2. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, heard about the coronation. He was in Egypt when he had fled from the presence of King Solomon that Jeroboam returned from Egypt. So Jeroboam comes back. He comes back now. All Israel, along with Jeroboam now, they come and appeal to Rehoboam about the heavy taxes. They come and they appeal to Rehoboam about the heavy taxes that are on them. And we get the impression when we read 1 Kings that somehow there was an unequitable thing where Judah, the, the tribe of Judah, was kind of exempt from these taxes. We get that hint here. But let's look at 3 and 4. Then they sent for him and called him and Jeroboam, and all of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. So they come and they basically almost give him an ultimatum. You know, we're burdened under these taxes. We can't afford them. Lighten up, guy. Give us a break and we'll serve you. We'll be part of it. It's very interesting, though, that this was all prophesied by the prophet Samuel. The prophet Samuel prophesied all this way back when, when Israel wanted a king. He said that the luxuries of the king would cost you, cost you dearly. So now you see all this coming about. You know, Solomon had a taste for the finer things of life. He liked gold. Everything he touched was gold. He had the Midas touch, I guess. It brought this prophecy now to light, but Rehoboam could change it. Rehoboam could change this. And although the nation looked like they were tight together, looked like they were in good shape, ready to rock and roll, looks can be completely deceiving about this. Under all the glitz and gold statues, the plush buildings, the opulent living style, the nation Israel had a major problem. And this is going to sound extremely familiar, ladies and gentlemen. The nation of Israel had a serious problem. They were in deep moral and spiritual decline. It should sound familiar. Take a look at your newspapers. Take a look what's going on in our nation right now. And I believe that this nation of ours, the beloved United States of America, is in right now in deep moral and spiritual decline. I believe that. I can see it. Remember, under Solomon, Israel flourished. They flourished materially, but they suffered spiritually. Under Solomon, they didn't have a spiritual leader. David was a spiritual leader. David was a spiritual leader. He was very demonstrative about his faith. He wasn't ashamed of his faith, and he openly displayed his faith everywhere he went. Solomon didn't have that great of a relationship with the Lord. And they started to decline, and it was such a decline that they, as I said earlier, they are not going to recover from it. And dare I say, is my concern for my beloved country. Will we recover from this spiritual decline? Well, 
if you seriously believe that we are in the last days, then you'll agree with me that I think not. I do not think we'll recover. I do think there will be periods and glimpses of hope, but I don't think we'll recover. I think it's now time to specialize in our witnessing for others in our area and families and things and bring them into kingdom instead of looking to resave this nation. That's my thought. That's what I believe. I think the nation is in great trouble. So after Solomon died, the decline naturally continues under Rehoboam because he's even further away from God than Solomon was. He's even further away from than Solomon was. And it's sadly that sometimes I said, I wonder if our once nation can recover from this spiritual decline. I don't think so. The people were willing to follow Rehoboam and they were willing to serve him if in turn he would serve them and make their life a little easier by lowering taxes. You know, to be a servant of God, you have to serve his people. I've told this before and I've said this from this podium before. You don't belong to me. You don't belong to Calvary Chapel. You belong to God. We sang it. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. You're his sheep. And I told you, for some crazy reason, he's given me some authority here to be your under-shepherd. He's the true shepherd. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in Philippians 2 about Jesus divesting himself and becoming humble like a man. Jesus showed the humility of a servant in John 13 when he washed the disciples' feet. All of them, including Judas's feet who was there. So Rehoboam tells the people to return in three days and wisely seeks counsel from his advisors. Let's look five through seven. So he said to them, come back to me after three days and the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, saying, how do you advise me to answer the people? And they spoke to him, saying, if you are kind to these people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. I like that. This is a good thing. Rehoboam asked for a delay, and then he goes to seek his counsel. He goes to seek counsel from his advisors. Now, sometimes delays can be bad, but in this instance, he did the right thing. He sought godly counsel. But there's no evidence that he sought God himself. There's no evidence that he sought God himself. And it's interesting, in the book of James, in James 3.17, James writes, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. If he had sought that type of wisdom, his answer would have been a lot different than what he gives in when we get to that point. You know, we've been given a gift, and his name is the Holy Spirit. We've been given a gift by God. He's our guide. He leads us into all truth. One of his names is Counselor. One of his names is Helper guidance. He testifies of Jesus and leads us into all things Jesus. And Jesus had the greatest name of all, wonderful counselor. But sadly, too many seem to forget that. We rely on our flesh to make a decision. 
We make a goofy decision and then we put it to God and go, okay, Lord, bless this crazy decision that I just made. And we wonder why things go wrong. Many, many scholars that I looked at thought Rehoboam had already made up his mind, but he was just going through the motions trying to please the people. But seeking biblical counsel is a wise thing to do. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is dwelling within us, and he will lead you and guide you to the correct decision. He uses many different ways, but mainly he confirms most things through his word. He confirms it through his word. If we would only take the time to look, if we would only take the time to look to the Holy Spirit. I told you the best counsel I ever got was when I asked a pastor in Ocean City that I was serving in Ocean City, and I asked him I had a problem, and he said, listen, I'll answer your question and give you counsel, but the same Holy Spirit lives in me lives in you, and you need to listen to the Holy Spirit too. So you need to get used to listening to the Holy Spirit, presenting your petitions, and then sitting quietly and listening, and then taking it to the Word of God. The elders gave Rehoboam the sound advice and good advice, but Rehoboam rejects their counsel. Look at verse 8. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and counseled with young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. He wanted no part of addressing the facts nor seeking counsel of the Lord. I wrote, this path will get you nowhere fast. This path will get you absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. I need to give you some advice here, those who go elsewhere until they get the answer they want, the one that agrees with them in their flesh, always set you up for trouble. Always set you up for trouble. So Rehoboam doesn't like what the elders does, so he turns to his peeps, turns to his buds, known each other since we grew up together. Surely they'll lead me the right way. Let's look at 9 through 11. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, your father made our yoke heavy, but, you're gonna, you, but you make it lighter on us? Thus you shall say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Hey, something everybody wants to hear. Something everybody wants to hear. He seeks counsel from his friends, and there is advice to put the hammer down. Put the hammer down. You'll get more out of them. Squeeze them. Put them in the wine press. We'll get that money out of them. We'll get that stuff out of them. Show a forceful hand. Come on, be tough after all. You're the king. You're the king. And that crown looks marvelous on you, darling. I don't know if they were looking to build themselves up, if they were looking for places in the um, administration. I have no idea. Maybe they were seeking a position. Careful who you seek counsel from. Be careful from whom you seek counsel Find someone you trust, find someone that you know is, has a godly person and will lead you in the right direction in God's word. The counsel should always be in God's word. Rehoboam rejects the elders, 
throws the elders out and said, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to take what the peeps say. I'm going with the guys. The guys will help me out. They got my back. 12 through 14. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the had directed, saying, come back to me the third day. Then the king answered them roughly. King Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, and he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Ooh, interesting. During this entire time, he never seeks the Lord. He never puts it before the Lord. He never puts it before the Lord. You know, there's some interesting things that his father wrote in Proverbs 15, in verses 1 and 2. It says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fools pours out foolishness. I wonder if he ever read the things his father wrote. He obviously didn't father them. What motivated him? Pride. Pride. I'm king and you're not. I make decisions here. Pride. He wasn't humble. He was not motivated by gentleness, nor was he motivated by kindness. He needed all the stuff that his father had and more. He wanted more and more and more. And in verse 12, chapter 12, of uh, verse 18 of Proverbs says, there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promises health. As Rehoboam spoke, it pierced them like a sword. I'm going to get more out of you. I'm going to get more taxes out of you. Give me more. His words struck the Israelites hard. He made a stand and the people understood. He was not going to listen to them. His foolishness cost Israel greatly. Not only was the nation not going to listen to him, they rejected him as king. And they rejected the dynasty of his father that began that came from David. They were rejecting the Davidic covenant. They were rejecting David as king. But interesting enough, in verse 15, look at what it says in verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people for the turn of the events was from whom? God. Turn of the events was from God, that the Lord might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by the hand of Ahijah, the Shimonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. God was now coming against Solomon, really. He was coming against all of Solomon's sins, all of the things that Solomon did against what God had told him back in chapter 7 when we read that, when we read back in chapter 7, all the things that God told him was going to happen. He even gave him the clue, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will heal from heaven and then I will hear their land. He didn't do that. He didn't follow the Lord. and He was in trouble now. God allowed this to come happen. And it's interesting how God allows these things to happen. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave is sharing teachings that comes out of the ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave has been in the book of 2 Chronicles. Within this book, you get to know all kinds of characters who made an impact on Israel's history, good or bad. A notable lesson that's given through this account is that God gives blessing to His people when they remain faithful. But when people allow their sin nature to take over, it's easy to see how things start to unravel and then fall apart. Just like a closely knit stitch on a blanket, the people of God were blessed and stayed united with God while they were following His ways. But when they turned to their own devices, they just became a tangled mess of yarn in a sense. Their purpose and plan became useless when they were following their own way and what they thought was best. Isn't it easy to get into this type of situation where you think you know better than God? Before you know it, you've become your own tangled and messy pile of yarn as well. How about following God's pattern and seeing the benefit of what that brings? If you'd like to hear more messages from 2 Chronicles, learning of God's faithfulness, go to assurehoperadio.com and look under the Messages tab. Well, we're about out of time for today's edition, but we encourage you to think and pray about what God's teaching you personally through this series in 2 Chronicles. Come back here next time to hear Pastor Dave share more on A Sure Hope. Oh